Episode 7, Diane Shenold. The year 1989 saw the United States in the dawning of a new era. That year saw the show The Simpsons premiere in December. The year 1989, believe it or not, saw the internet get invented. Without the internet, you wouldn't be hearing me talk to you today. Microsoft Office was released that year. This podcast literally wouldn't be possible without Microsoft Office. The first African-American governor was elected in 1989. Douglas Wilder was elected to his office in Virginia that year. Serial killer Ted Bundy was executed in Florida's electric chair on January 24, 1989. And in the same year, a 35-year-old woman named Diane Gale Shenold was found dead in her Anadarko, Oklahoma home on July 10, 1989. On this episode, once again, Alana Keegan Cooper joins us to discuss the Diane Shenold case and the injustices that have happened over the years. All right, so today, again, we have the lovely Miss Alana Keegan Cooper uh, guesting with us once more to cover the case of Diane Gale Shenold. Welcome, Alana. Thank you guys for having me so much, and I'm excited to talk about this case and um, excited that you guys had me back on, so thanks again. We love having you on. This case is a doozy, though, right? Like, on the surface of it, it looks pretty normal. But then you start looking at it, and it's it's interesting. There's a lot in this case. There There's are... some moving parts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I went through, because um, Mandy had given me, like, the list of kind of your the cases that you guys had chosen to cover. And... I like just happened to look up this one and I was interested in some others and then I started getting like further into it and I was like wow this is like it is it's really interesting it's kind of it's not exactly what you'd expect I've run across it in research before but I've never looked fully into it the way that I I had to for this episode and Mm -hmm. gosh I kind of I don't I mean we're gonna get to it at the end but I I have mixed feelings about everything with this case Yeah. yeah yeah we were just talking about that before we started in july of 1989 a 35 year old woman named diane gale shenold was found murdered in her anadarko home by a co-worker because she failed to come into work that day which was highly unusual for diane she worked for help me jen she worked for a, an electric company but she didn't do electric work she worked for the Western Farmers Co-op, um, and she worked as an admin there. The, a lot of people in Anadarko worked at Western Farmers. It was a big deal. So I think she was the gas payments clerk. I think that's what she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they think she was killed sometime between the like the early late hours between July 9th and July 10th but she wasn't found Mm -hmm. until July 11th so I assume that July 10th was a Sunday meaning July 11th was a Monday that would explain why nobody knew she was dead until July 11th so her co-worker goes over to her house and I'm not sure if he looked into a window or if the door was unlocked or what happened there 
but either way, he sees her in the living room, and she is she's dead on her couch. Yeah, so she was found partially clothed. She was slumped over on the couch. The autopsy said she was spread-eagled on the divan. Oh, that's right. Um, so this is from the article that came out in Antarctica Right, but News. they also weren't looking at the autopsy, which says that her yeah. liver was fixed on her posterior side. So I yeah. would be willing to say she was, like, splayed on her back on the couch, would be my guess. Okay. That, that would be my guess. But Is it a divan or a couch? She was on her couch. She wasn't in her bedroom. She okay. was in the living room. So she was in the living room on the couch. I, I think a divan is a blanket, if I'm not mistaken. I, I looked it up. I looked it up before we did the recording. And okay, what do I? It says in my notes, couch like sitting furniture. Well, okay, okay. Well, I always thought it was the blanket. So there you have it. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. It's like a. It's one of those couches that doesn't have much of a back. I got. I gotta see a picture. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> now I got. Now I need a picture in my head. Oh, it's almost like a. Not. It's almost like one of those fainting couches. Kinda. I've got one on the end of my of my yeah. couch. It's like a. I don't yeah. Know what those lounge things? Yeah, the lounger you know parts. I mean? mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wonder if she had one of those couches that work in, a, in an L then. And she was... Yeah, like a sectional? That's yeah. Yeah. So either way, she was found splayed, spread eagle, on her couch in the living room. And... It kind of makes me a little crazy because the articles repeatedly say she was found naked, she was found nude, she was found naked all the time. And that's not completely true, right? Because she had her bra on. It was yeah. done, but it was on. And she had a t-shirt on pushed up to just under her breasts. Mm -hmm. Other than that, she was naked. For So from the waist down, she was naked. But that yeah. doesn't count naked. She no, was she was partially, partially nude. Mm-hmm. So they found this. There was no struggle. There was no forced entry. Nothing was jewelry. Nothing. Yeah, nothing had been stolen. There was money. There was jewelry in the house. Yep. And nothing had been taken. Well, there was one thing missing. There was a couch pillow missing. <laughs> yeah. A Odd couch thing. Pillow. Odd thing to take with. I you. don't know who and would have known that. That must have come from well, a family yeah. member. Maybe. But, like, what if she got rid of it? What if something happened to it and she got rid of it? And they're looking for this couch pillow. Like, it's this big thing. Yeah, that's a fair point. And Diane's like, fuck this pillow. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> and now everybody's out there looking for this mysterious pillow. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was probably a female relative that noticed the pillow missing. Because I, I feel like they already immediately think that, you know, there's just too many pillows anyway. I know my, we have a lot of throw pillows on our couch here, and my husband just kind of throws them wherever to get them out of the way. But at the same time that he hates the pillows, like, I, he probably, my husband would not be able to answer how many pillows are usually on the couch, so. Oh, yeah, no. My husband hates <laughs> the pillows. Hates all the pillows. 
oh. there, there's no way a guy would have been like, there's pillows missing. <laughs> he would have been like, thank God I can finally sit on the couch. No. <laughs> the couch pillows, though, become a, an interesting topic. Eventually. So, you know, she she gets killed in July. They have no real immediate suspects. Because you have no forced entry. She was mm-hmm. she was raped, is what they do discover. Because they, they find bruise marks on her thighs, indicative of, you know, fingerprints. And they do find semen. And they decide that she was, and it, it says right here on the first page of her autopsy. Scratches and prints on necks suggesting yes. asphyxiation by manual strangulation. And I say that because it kind of becomes a thing. So they determine she is strangled for a number of reasons. There's cuts inside of her mouth. Her heart becomes enlarged due to the lack of oxygen. Right. And there's, you know, marks on her neck. And her hyoid bone becomes, you know, like dislocated. Suggesting she was manually strangled. And she has petechia. Uh, Right. She does have petechia on her face and her eyes. All of that. About two months later they make an arrest or well rather they execute a warrant for the arrest of a guy named timothy john bates and they do this because of this newfangled thing dna dna our old friend dna yeah our old friend dna a really new thing in 1989. In fact, it was the first time this would have been used in a criminal case in Caddo County. Yeah. This mm-hmm. case right here. What they start saying, I mean, immediately from the time that they announced that they have issued an arrest warrant for this guy, is he was a loose association of Diane Chunnel. They're not saying why he's a suspect. They're not saying how he's acquainted with her. They're not saying how they knew each other. They're, nothing. Nothing. The next day or the day after that, they say, well, we found him. He was in Waxahachie, Texas, uh, where he was learning to drive a semi. We're bringing him on back. And they do. And then he goes to trial, or gets bound over for trial, in December of 1989. The whole time, he's saying, I didn't know this woman. I've never met this woman. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then he goes to trial in 1990. That trial is declared a mistrial after the jurors can't decide whether this guy's guilty or innocent. They ruled 8-4 to in favor of his guilt, but there was still enough for reasonable doubt. They go back to trial in 1991, also declared a mistrial, but this time it was because one of the jurors fell and broke his arm at, like, the end of the trial. He goes back to trial in 1992 and is eventually, I think it was another mistrial. I actually couldn't find anything in the newspapers. I think they had just let it go. I think he was acquitted. He was acquitted. He finally acquitted? Uh, yeah, by, by a jury. Yeah, he was acquitted. Yeah. So this guy went to trial three times for this murder and the DA couldn't make it stick any of those times. And they claimed that they had a DNA match. They claimed that the semen found on her body from the rape 100% quote better than a fingerprint matched Timothy John Bates. Now and 
this was the only evidence they had for for him that's for it. the entire and, for all three trials and to be frank it's 1989 i have to call that into question i, I do well they give you they give you the you know this so at, especially at the third trial they start reporting more on the details of it because that's when the defense brings in I think that they weren't able to bring in an expert that was really able to refute that in the previous trials mm -hmm. to, you know, to the level that at that third trial that they had an expert be able to do that. So then it starts coming out that, um, I think I wrote it down. It was, um, there was an expert by the name of Giles for the prosecution that said, um, he was like a one in 30,000 match. Um, and then the FBI said he was a one in 60,000 match which is and both yeah those are still them. really low but numbers course, yeah even for 19 early 1990s standards that's super low and then and then on top of that then you have the issue of that at that point dna technology and dna testing and 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 matching and everything was so so early on that they let i mean arguably did not have the proper you know, statistics and, and research and pool of, of data and DNA to be able to accurately make that match for mostly anybody but like, a, you know, a Caucasian person um, or potentially a, an African-American person. But as far as Native American person, um, which Bates was partial, I, I think he was Kiwa Indian and or Native American and um, and then I think he was he was another as well, and that is um, just not something that they were really equipped for when they were kind of judging their statistics. Because I mean, a match you have to be like have a sampling. I, I don't know if you if you can explain it better, Amanda, to like people who don't usually do it that much. No, you're right. You you've got it right. They don't. They at the time they did not have an accurate pooling of genetic materials to properly contribute to testing for DNA of Native American suspects. They just didn't. And Timothy John Bates was half Caucasian and half Kiowa, half Apache Indian. So, you know, this whole one in 30,000, one in 60,000, that's where they're trying to derive their numbers from. But they didn't have the proper numbers to get that from to begin with. So their testing was flawed from the get-go. I mean, it just was. Do you, do you think that they knew that the numbers were low, but they tried to push it anyways just yeah. because they wanted to solve the I case? Do. I think they really pushed. I mean, Anadarko wasn't huge, right? It's still not huge. No. And I, I and No, it's never been oh, sorry, So I think, I, like, I feel like they they went about it where I think they really did think he was the suspect because I mean, on the opposite end, you know, he's not ruled out by the DNA. So, you know, maybe they pursued it because they really thought like, this is our guy and maybe some ethical boundaries or at least like things were stretched in that, you know, you really can't, mm -hmm. can't prove it. And then they said that the DNA was all that they had for, physical evidence to tie him to the crime but it, I mean looking at the autopsy there's some physical other physical evidence that appears to be there I don't know if it's from the perpetrator but it appears that it is 
there was other physical evidence on one of the pillows that is found in the same room that she gets found in. So in the living room, there's a pillow. And there are spots of blood on this pillow that are found. The OSBI criminalist says on the stand, absolutely, these could not have come from Diane Chenold or Timothy Bates. Period. Done. They could have mm -hmm. come from a man named Tony Burns, who was former Caddo County District Attorney. At the time that Diane Chenold was murdered, he had been out of the District Attorney's office for about three years and had opened private practice, but him and Diane had been seeing each other for about a year. Off and on. They seemed to be a little bit rocky. Yeah, they weren't exclusive. He was seeing other people. He said she was seeing other people, but he definitively was seeing at least one other person. And she wasn't thrilled about it. She was pretty upset about it. Yeah, he was dating a woman in Norman. Yeah, and supposedly that weekend that Diane was murdered, he had gone to see this woman. And him and Diane had gotten into an argument about it. And not only did blood possibly match him, but so did hairs from that pillow. And what's interesting about this pillow is this is the pillow that the prosecuting attorney says to the jury, this is our murder weapon. This was held over her face and suffocated her. But she didn't die of suffocation. She died she of strangulation. <laughs> She was asphyxiated, which is the same thing, but it's a different method. Yeah. She was strangled. It says in the autopsy she was strangled. Fred Jordan testified saying she was strangled. But the so, DA is trying to push a narrative that she was smothered. And didn't they, didn't they test him? Mm -hmm. the, like the, the other, the boyfriend? Yeah, his DNA to the semen, and it was not a match. The burns That's guy? That's what they said, at least. Yeah, they said the semen wasn't a match, but they don't ever talk about the blood. Or, I'm guessing, if there's blood on that pillow, there has to also be saliva on that pillow, correct? Well, they say that it it yeah. could have matched him. They couldn't rule him out as it being yeah. his blood. But the fact is, there's there's much more evidence saying that he could have killed her at the scene because there's blood there that could be his but there's also blood there that's definitely not timothy bates yeah which if there's blood there that's not hers and not timothy bates and there's reasonable doubt well and it doesn't match to him it, like it doesn't for you know it's not saying that yes it's a 100 percent match from my understanding the boyfriend with with the blood it's just saying that it you know he's not he's not ruled out from it could yeah. be a match which that there's just so much of that going on here and you know and it could have been from when i mean he was he was her boyfriend sort of so he was you know at the house i mean he, he could have had a bloody nose at some point you know it could be yeah. innocuous that you know it didn't didn't have to be you know that that and i think the other thing too is i mean the couch cushion, do we know for sure it was the murder weapon? Because it really seems like there was well, manual would, strangulation. Yeah, I'd be willing to say that it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. I, I don't know if they proved yeah. that for certain. Um, I don't know. That wasn't reported upon as much on that aspect. Or, I mean, did we... I didn't see anything about, like, exactly how they supposedly knew each other, her and Timothy Bates. 
there's no explanation. They say he claims he never knew her. He's never met her. And the police in media accounts say they were loosely acquainted, which I think is just code for we don't know how they knew each other. Because, I mean, how else are they going to explain it? He was all, he was in very specific places. Like, there's a timeline of all his activities. He's getting arrested. You know, it's not like. And they don't, they don't show any evidence that he was ever in Anadarko. <laughs> they don't, that, which is interesting, right? He was everywhere but Anadarko. There's yeah. nothing showing he was ever actually in that part of Oklahoma. So he's other than living... to travel through going to Texas, maybe. Yeah. But the, and that, you wouldn't it's a real roundabout way. way of going about it, honestly. No. And, you know, he's got an arrest record for every place that he's been living in and staying in and but he randomly goes to Anadarko and murders yeah. this woman you know there were apparently there were other items taken into evidence that weren't necessarily presented at trial and these things include a towel some clothes and other items what the other items are is never disclosed and of course i can't get the trial transcripts at this point because he was acquitted you know, getting a hold of those is very tricky. So, what was that? I couldn't say. Yeah, and and the thing about that is when you're going all the way back to the early 90s, or even before then, the DNA testing back then and the profile that they would be able to develop is very, you know, compared to what we can, what we're able to do now is it's just so basic. Um, well, you, I mean, you aren't able to get into that the billions or trillions type of match yeah. the way that we are now because oh, yeah. we were able to, you know, develop a fuller profile. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't even think it's... It, I doubt it was even STR, um, you know, DNA profile that they were able to develop back in the early 90s. I think it was the more rudimentary... I, I think... Uh, I always want to say RCMP. I, I think... It's, it's something a little bit different on there, but it starts with an R. Um, that, and that's like kind of the the earliest on type of profile you could develop. And it's very yeah. simple. Um, and so, you know, I don't think, even if they had that developed and they, they still had that, if it's not an STR profile, they probably have never been able to upload it to CODIS um, because it wouldn't be compatible. You know what's interesting is that given the climate that we live in now with CSI and all of the crime shows and everything else that we're kind of inundated with, and that's the jury pool that we're left to choose from now, if Timothy John Bates went to trial today and they say we have a DNA match to this guy, to, to his semen in this woman, at this scene Mm -hmm. he would probably be convicted today back then people didn't know anything about this they're over there trying to explain this new science Mm -hmm. and honest god that was probably enough reasonable doubt for them they did not it wasn't clicking this was science fiction for people back Mm -hmm. then today he would probably be sitting in jail yeah did he do it i don't know i know that was flawed testing more than likely i do know Then in 2013, police once again tried to connect this guy to another killing, this time in Norman, that happened the same year 
that Diane Shenold was murdered. Two months before, yeah. Yeah, Dorothy Estes was killed in May of 1989 in Norman. And there's some diff- there's yeah. some differences here, but there's also some similarities. Dorothy was much older than Diane. She was 13 years older than Diane. Um, but she was found in a similar way, and that was an- kind of enough for police to look at this guy again. She was found... Do we know where in her house she was found? I think her bedroom. That's what I have written down, at least, and... Um, and I, it says that she was found, like, fully nude, at least in one of the articles. But, again, I, I don't have her autopsy. So, and sometimes articles will say, you know, nude. But, yeah, there are some differences here. There were some items missing from Dorothy's house. Were there? Does it say what, what was missing? No, it's some items of value. But it also says that she was suffocated as opposed to strangled. But I guess if you're listening to the DA... Diane was also suffocated. But I'm I'm looking yeah. at the autopsy. I think I'm going to take that one more into hand than the uh, than the DA. And they also said they're unknown if she was raped. But they or took the, DNA from the I, I think... And, and I wonder... I, I feel like there's a few possibilities. Because then they, they have these articles in 2013 about this. And then all of a sudden, there's like no follow-up. Right. You know, so that to me can mean three different things. Yeah. yeah. The first one is, you know, they're, they weren't able to develop a DNA profile because it didn't say that they had developed a DNA profile for Dorothy's killer or, you know, from whatever physical evidence or the, the profile that yeah. they were able to develop wasn't probative enough that you know, like a DA felt they could, you know, get charges if there was a match. Or there wasn't, they did, they were able to develop a DNA profile, but there was not a match to Timothy Bates. And, you know, the third is, you know, there was a match and, you know, we just don't know. And they're just not, they're not planning to charge him. I, I don't know. Um, you know, and the thing, the weird thing too is like, you know, I, I don't know if they, if they were able to develop a DNA profile and and compare it to what they had for Diane's case to see if it was the same killer. Um, I think that would be interesting to know. Um, you know, I, yeah, like I had heard from somebody that didn't have like a ton of knowledge about the case, but had maybe like a little bit of inside knowledge that that person didn't remember there being much like physical evidence in her case. But couldn't say for sure, um, and I—I I don't know. I it, her case is is one. It, I mean, it, it still sits unsolved, and and then they haven't really talked about what had come about from the testing. And who? I mean, by her? Are you talking about Dorothy or Diane? Yeah. No, I'm talking okay. about Dorothy. I mean, they, they have not talked about Diane's case, and you know, I mean, I would love to know our police you know is there anybody even assigned to this um are they willing to actively work it um it's said in the article at least back in i think 1992 that uh, like at minimum there had been six separate tests it seemed conducted on the dna from the semen samples taken for diane's case and back in like the early 90s i mean that is like a huge amount that they would have used up I just highly doubt that there's any semen evidence left. Even though it seems like there was. Yeah, that makes sense. 
quite a bit deposited and they had kind of alluded to that there was like quite a bit there um even with the amount i think it there's just i have i'm not optimistic that there's a lot of semen evidence left to even test at all but um it did appear that like her hands were not bound or she was not bound when and so i i'm thinking that if she was manually strangled like we believe she was uh, and wasn't knocked mm -hmm. out um she probably had scratched her perpetrator a lot and they did get nail clippings from there that's where i would go to, to ask. they did you know what i'm you know what mm -hmm. I'm thinking? I'm wondering if they didn't test yeah. the pillow and find the saliva yeah. and think that it was the murder weapon because of that. But I almost wonder if while raping her, if he didn't have the pillow over her face. Mm -hmm. to, to quiet her down. To quiet yeah. her or possibly keep her from seeing who he was. That's true, too. You know, and maybe something happened and he ended up killing her. Or maybe this is somebody that maybe did know her a bit and, and isn't a complete psychopath and maybe, you know, had intended to kill her, but didn't really want to look at her in the face while he did it. Yep. And they right. covered that. So rather yes. than it being like a suffocation method, yes, it kind of served as that a little bit, but maybe didn't. Yeah. You know, where some of these like psychopathic sexual, like, you know, um, recidivist killers, you know, potential serial killers they like get something out of looking their victim in the face um and the yes. eyes especially yeah watching the life leave mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so to if that was the intended of like to kind of cover up her face while they were killing her it almost makes me think maybe this was somebody that had some sort of attachment or, or relationship or maybe some sort of remorse um you know they didn't leave that pillow there um sometimes when you find they do have remorse or, or some, like, they kind of, like, will keep that victim covered up or their face. Yeah. And it sounded like that, that pillow was maybe missing there, so I don't think it was still on her face or anything, but um, who knows? It could have just simply fallen off and rolled away, too, after he walked mm -hmm. away, so. It, yeah. Because I don't think they say exactly where it was found. Yeah. Looking at, you know, the timeline that they publish of all of his crimes... You know, it's it would be really strange <clears throat> for a guy to strangle or suffocate a couple of women and rape them and kill them and then take 800 steps backwards and mm -hmm. go back to nefarious phone calls and random stalking but not acting on any of that. And maybe slapping around a couple girlfriends and their kids. I just don't see it, right? Like, you don't... It doesn't make much sense. You don't regress. Like, you don't suddenly... You don't kill people in a two-month period and then just stop. And never do it again. Right. You're not, like, on the verge of being a serial killer. Like, if he's possibly killed Dorothy Estes as well as killing Diane Shenold... Like, he's on the verge yeah. of being a serial killer here. And then he decides, no thanks, I'd rather stalk college kids and make heavy breathing phone calls? Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, to me, from reading his crimes, he seems like a hot mess. Yeah. You know, a very disorganized, mm -hmm. you know, and I wouldn't call Diane's murder 
very organized necessarily, but it does seem to have a little bit more like thought and planning than maybe I would expect to see of like somebody who he he's just kind of all over the place in his crimes. He's you know I don't he's just full of rage and rage makes you sloppy. Yeah, and I mean manual strangulation is definitely like it's it's a rageful thing. It's it's a very personal way to to kill somebody and it, like you have to have a lot of like you know strength to to do that um or you know focused energy but i don't know it just doesn't something doesn't jive there mm-hmm. i you know i and then he doesn't even know her either um and then i mean you can be a disorganized killer and you can be a disorganized criminal but you're not going to be a backwards working yeah. criminal like once you go yeah. up you're probably not coming back down like especially it's, well, you'll take great. If you're talking you're about not someone who's killing in a two-month period, that's like a very, very like he's he's escalating very quickly, and usually that kind of situation pops. Like he goes on mm-hmm. to kill someone else, he gets sloppier, yeah. and they find evidence to find him. But you know, he just what he he just decided to chill out. Yeah, I guess. And so, like, taking a break backwards, you know, I don't think the same person that killed Diane... I was just going to say that. I'm like, I haven't seen convincing evidence that, first off, the Bates killed um, Diane, or that Diane and Dorothy's pieces are, are, you know, linked or related, because, you know, and I, like, this can be, like, off the air, but, I mean, we're looking at two cases right now that really seem to be, like definitely related you know up in Tulsa um yeah. from what we discovered in like the last week those are I mean well and it helps because it's in the exact right. same place you know that's that's like but this is no that. they're also like an hour apart too you know Norman and and Marco, which isn't you know crazy distance and um but I just I haven't seen convincing evidence that they're related I wouldn't say rule it out or anything but um, and maybe the, the detective had more to work on, you know, because obviously they know a lot more than we do about the cases and they, you know, maybe had that. Yeah, I don't think they're related. I think that the, I think the two victims have nothing in common and I don't see why uh, the same killer would kill these two victims. Especially, here's the thing, Darko is not, it's not, you don't just run into Darko. it's not on any main highway. Like, and he went to her house? Like, how did he get there? It's just really frustrating because it feels like they pushed this trial through and it felt like they had a lot of energy around, you know, solving Diane's case. And then when it didn't go the way they planned, everything just fall, it fell apart and they there's no, there's no one pursuing anything except yeah. for, I, I think, probably the the family um so i wonder what her family thinks i wonder if they really think it was him you know maybe there's some inside information of why why they felt like it was him that you know the press didn't you know report upon that the family knows about and people in the trial knew about but like we don't and maybe they're convinced or maybe they're like we don't know um or maybe they're just kind of like they felt like it was probably him and they don't want to get their hopes up that, um, you know, they're ever going to get answers if they're not, um, and have kind of just kind of let it go. I, I don't, I have no idea. 
I was really interested to know, you know, where where it stood. But I, you know, kind of left with the same same thing as like there's like I don't there's a lot of unanswered questions with this. I think at the end of the day, the question of who did this to Diane and the fight for justice for her and the thought of her as an actual human with a whole life fell away very, very quickly in favor of what was happening to the guy who possibly killed her, mm-hmm. right? Because the story didn't become Diane very quickly. It became Tim Bates. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of remained Tim Bates, even after all the time. Yeah. Even with Dorothy Estes, it, it, it remained Tim Bates. And whether or not he's a killer is irrelevant because... It became Tim Bates mm-hmm. instead of Diane Shenold mm-hmm. and Dorothy Estes. If you have any information about the Diane Shenold case, you can contact the OSBI at 1 800 522 8017. If you would like more information about any of Oklahoma's cold cases, you can search us on Facebook by searching Oklahoma Cold Cases or you can go to our website at oklahomacoldcases.org. On our website, we host a database that is the only free and publicly accessible database of all of Oklahoma's cold cases. For The Throwaways, I'm Amanda Newland-Davis, and my partner is Jennifer Gregg.